Why, you stuck-up, half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herder! Now that's a name I've not heard in a long time. A long time. May the force be with us. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Pokey religions and ancient weapons are no match for a good blaster at your side, kid. Don't underestimate the force. What a piece of junk! <laughs> Laugh it up, fuzzball. The force will be with you. Always. Ah, Star Wars! Nothing but Star Wars! Give me the Star Wars! Don't let them end! Ah, W. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 224 for the week of May 29th, 2011. Last week marked the grand opening of Star Tours, The Adventures Continue, at Disney's Hollywood Studios. It launched with a very special event, celebrity guests, and a few surprises as the first Star Wars weekends of 2011 opened to guests young and old, eager to enjoy the joining of the Disney and Star Wars forces. This week, we'll discuss the new attraction, the Star Wars weekends events, and also have an interview with Kathy Rogers, senior show producer and design administrator for Walt Disney Imagineering. She discusses the history of the attraction, working with George Lucas, some of the new technologies, and much more. Stay tuned for some information about upcoming events and lots more, and some of your voicemails at the end of the show. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. Star Tours announces the arrival of the Endor Express. Once we've had a chance to service the Star Speeder, we'll begin our boarding procedures. Thank you. I have a bad feeling about this. I got a bad feeling about this. I have a really bad feeling about this. I have a bad feeling about this. Very bad feeling about this. As you can tell by the music behind me, I'm either in my room playing with my Star Wars toys or I'm at Disney's Hollywood Studios for the opening of Star Wars Weekends 2011 and of course the much anticipated opening of Star Tours 3D the adventures continue, and I am literally sitting around a round table with some friends who have joined me um, on a weekend to share in all the Star Wars goodness from glenwhalen.org, <laughs> or really the pretty good movie ride.com. Glenn Whalen. Hey, folks, it's great to be here. I'm sorry I'm a little out of breath. I just ran the Kessel Run in 10, in 10 parsecs. <laughs> and a man who's just come back from pa- Tashi Station and did not pick up his power converter, Scott Otis. Just wanted some power converters. Hello, everyone. And a woman who has no idea what we're talking about, Becky Mankin. Great. Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. I, I guess the two weeks that we've been together have, like, worn down, haven't it? <laughs> Absolutely. But listen, we have, had, um, we have had a couple of really fun, somewhat exhausting but in a good way, days of true Star Wars geekiness. And I want to kind of go back uh, before sort of the official grand opening of Star Tours that kicked off Star Wars Weekends 2011, and the things really got started off by with an event that was very new, very different from what Disney has ever done before, because on the Disney Parks blog, they announced that they were going to be having their first sort of official tweet-up uh, to kick off Star Wars Weekends and the opening of Star Tours. Uh, 
they tweeted it late one evening, the next morning, they posted it on the blog, and the first couple of hundred people who responded uh, were able to get invitations to come to this event, which actually took place from midnight to 2 a.m. the evening before the official opening of uh, Star Tours on Friday, May 20th. Right. They were, there were people still sta- sitting outside waiting for to be the first ones on the flight the next morning while there were a couple hundred people that were, that were selected. They were able to come in through a special back entrance, and they had a, a pass that got them in here, and they were able to experience Star Tours ahead of time. Yeah, and it was really neat but the way that they did it, too, because you RSVP'd via email, and you didn't know if you got in until you had gotten uh, an invitation back. And I think it was great because, again, the timing of it was unlike sort of a traditional pass holder event or a D23 event because it literally started at midnight. We had Once you got your uh, invitation, you had to drive over to Blizzard Beach, lo- sign up, get registered. They had some trivia games and some giveaways going on. And they bust us all through a backstage entrance onto, uh, on stage, right by Star Tours, where it wasn't just sort of a, everybody get on the ride. They had tables set up with lots of food. They had uh, a DJ up on the Jedi stage, dressed as a rebel pilot. And it very much had a party-like atmosphere. It had a great red carpet atmosphere to it, like you were going onto onto a movie to a movie premiere. So between the red carpet that was laid out, the, the characters that were waiting for you, and then the fog effects that you walked through when you came on stage, it really did have an impact. Yeah, and it wasn't also an event where there were eight thousand people there. I mean, it literally was probably somewhere around six hundred. Yeah, I think about 600. I I was counting at one point, and I stopped about 550. So, And it's one of those things that, you know, they had some soft openings during the week, but you never knew when that was going to take place. When there was no line whatsoever, a lot of the the star speeders were relatively empty, but there were also Star Wars characters around. So they really sort of opened up all the stops for this one. They had um, refreshments and drinks and desserts and stuff like that. Uh, so it wasn't just sort of a, hey, come on, let's all meet up and ride Star Tours. Um, it, it did have a level of exclusivity to it. You know, Lou, what I thought was really cool is many of these characters that were around did not cater to one type of Star Wars fan or the other. They had We had Clone Wars characters in here. We had characters from the original trilogy. We had characters from the newer trilogy. And everybody, there was a little bit of something for everybody. And some of the Clone uh, war- Warriors were uh, pretty frightening. <laughs> I saw you hug Scott on multiple occasions. <laughs> but l- let's maybe talk about Star Tours itself, because this is really why everybody was so excited. Um, there was so much hype and, and anticipation leading up to this. We know the guys, Henry Work and the people over at Star Tours Live, literally had somebody out here from May 3rd on, uh, helping to get people excited, watching what was going on. Sometimes there was big things happening. Sometimes <laughs> there was not very much happening. But it helped everybody kind of get excited. And I know all of us who are from that generation where we grew up with the original trilogy. Uh, we, we were there for when the second trilogy came out. A lot of us still enjoy the Clone Wars. Uh, we're really looking forward to what we weren't sure it was going to be. Was it going to be a refreshing of attraction? Was it going to be a completely new attraction? And I think we kind of all agreed it really is more the latter than the former. Yeah, I would agree with that. It, it, it definitely wasn't just a couple tweaks in there. It's it's pretty much reimagined, and almost to reimagine to a way that they originally talked about the ride being, and they originally had suggested that every five years or so they would change it out, and there would be a different destination, a different journey, a different a different voyage that you would go on. But rather than doing that every five years, they seem to have done that all in one. In one, uh, they closed the they closed the ride, reopened it, and now you get that new version every time you fly. Yeah, and I got the sense that it almost wasn't sort of a refreshing, a plusing of an attraction. It was almost a completely new attraction from beginning to end. Like they just took that box and created a whole new attraction around it. Right, and uh, one of the things I really enjoyed was the the, the pre show or going through the queue where everything looked just so new and. You know that uh, that arrivals board has all that, all those new graphics and all that, and even a new C-3PO and the new Star Speeder. It all looks so very beautiful. I particularly liked the baggage, the security guy. They got this little security droid that it's scanning baggage, and every so once in a while you'll see some interesting things that pop up in the baggage. I don't want to give away spoilers, but it's very cool to sit there. If you're in queue and you have to wait for a while, it really is entertaining. And the 
Yeah, and I, actually, what Scott and Becky are talking about, they've they've take, they've taken notice of us, the, the fans who notice all these things, because I, I have to say, up until this point, the Q thing would repeat a little bit. And if you were standing in line, just for any, you would actually hear things start to repeat. The good news is now you can stand in there for half an hour and not hear anything. And I did that. Repeat. <laughs> yeah, I stood and watched that, the baggage claim, uh, the baggage uh, droid, for about 25 minutes and before there was any repeats. And so many hidden treasures in there. It was a lot of fun. Right. Well, one of the things I found interesting was that many of us wanted to get on the ride, but we found ourselves stopping in the queue. We could have easily gone faster, but you just went, no, no, I want to take this in. There was so much detail and so many little pieces of the story that were along the way that you didn't want to miss any of it. Yeah, and I don't want to certainly spoil it for anybody um, and talk about some of the things specifically, but... Darth Vader is Luke's father. <laughs> Come on! No what? Way. Dude, that's impossible. But there's this movie called The Sixth Sense. Anyway... Um, <laughs> But the thing that was interesting about this was that when the attraction initially came out, they had that original trilogy to draw from. Now they have not only a new generation of fans that's getting introduced to the original trilogy, but a new generation that's grown up with the second trilogy, and now a whole completely new set of fans for the Clone Wars. And like you mentioned before, they made sure there were elements of all those things, no matter what you were most familiar with, no matter what you enjoyed more, that were found from the queue all the way through the attraction itself. I'm going to even take it a bit further. There are scenes in one of these that was taken right out of the Lego Star Wars thing. There's a scene in Coruscant that that goes right into a location that was introduced in Lego Star Wars. So they really are reaching out to all fans of Star Wars. And you're right. When they talked about the attraction when it first opened, it was, well, it's easy. We can easily just swap out a new film And I'm happy that they waited the 25 or so years to do it because they were able to wait for the technology to catch up to the interest. I was still a Star Tours fan beforehand, but certainly, you know, the repeatability factor there sort of began to wear thin. Now, not only with 54 different combinations of destinations, uh, which I want to ask you guys if you think that the everyday fan realizes are out there, but the technology in the queue, I mean, that screen... In the queue itself is crystal clear and beautiful, but when you get on the attraction, the 3D is the best I've ever seen. You don't, there's no sort of sense of disorientation. I think the ride's a lot smoother, uh, and the 3D visual effects are not sort of the Muppet Vision-like gags. I mean, they are very much baked into the experience itself. I'd agree with that. The uh, Many of the effects were, are phenomenal now, and I actually closed one eye just to see if I could see it flopping around. And I didn't. And the, the glasses are, these aren't the same type of glasses either. These are much more expensive glasses. You can tell they're a, a meteor 3D glass, if you will. And because of that, the, the effects are, are stronger, and I didn't see any ghosting at all, not even a suggestion of it. And coming from my perspective, I have a a visual impairment in one of my eyes, and I'm actually legally blind, and I've had a difficult time seeing 3D, and these glasses made it crystal clear. And even on some of the other 3D attractions that have been around Muppet Vision and others, I do see that second kind of layering that you, you see when you're not wearing them, and this one was perfectly clear. I had none of that. Did you feel that the ride was maybe just the, the physical movement of the vehicle was smoother than the original Star Tours? Yes, I did. It was a lot smoother, um, and each of the combinations was different, too. So, I mean, you could tell that not every combination has the same movement, so they're all different. Uh, but yeah, it was very smooth. And it's that element of the unknown when you ride that I think offers one of the greatest appeals to this attraction because it's that initial excitement of riding for the first time, and then it's, well, who am I going to get next, and where am I going to go, and where am I going to end up and almost a sense of, after you ride it five or six times, a sense of disappointment. Oh, I want the pod racing. Oh, I, I, you know, I haven't seen Naboo yet. So it's almost like, you know, the Vinylmation chaser. You're trying to get the thing exactly. that you haven't seen yet. Yeah, it, it is a lot of fun. There's, but there's even people that have put out apps that you can track where you've been. And you get like a passport of locations you've been. Because you'll, you have options to see three, three, three different uh, locations and destinations. Yeah, and I, what you were mentioned the pod race, and I can tell you, I have now been on this attraction twelve times, and I, the pod racing scene is the one scene that I still haven't seen. So basically, every time that I go on the attraction now, I'm going to be anticipating the pod racing. No, you know, 
the you know Hoth and Kashyyyk, they're also you know fascinating too. But you know, I'd really like to see pod racing at least once in my life. Come on! But see, that's cool because you are enjoying the attraction. You're enjoying the hunt and the chase, and we know even riding over the past few days. As the first scene would come on, people were like, yes! I'd be like, oh, come on, man! And you heard the entire speeder do that. So when a character came up, you'd hear, oh, man, or you'd hear, oh, ah! And, you know, erupting in, in applause. But I gotta say, the, the, the best one for me was actually going to the Wookiee planet with the Wookiee sitting next to me. That was, that was, that was awesome. That, that made my day. We actually got to ride uh, Star Tours with Chewbacca sitting right next to Becky, and then we went to Kashyyyk on that ride. So that was very cool. <laughs> and that's one of those things from that that midnight tweet up event that made it so cool was that you never knew who might just be sitting next to you. It's much more interactive as well. They actually focus on an individual. I'm not going to tell you exactly why, but they do grab somebody out of the audience to be involved in the show itself. So the so we are all involved in a way that's much clearer now than it originally was. You, when you get into your speeder, you know that that is the speeder that was parked outside that they were working on a few minutes ago. And there's a storyline involving C-3PO. You watch him go into this speeder that you saw him working on before, and that's the, the speeder that you're getting into. And even in the pre-show, there are different variations of that before you get the instructions of how to, how to get into your speeder. But there are different little surprises that are in each of the pre-shows as well. So you got to keep your eye open. But it's still a trap. <laughs> yeah, there, there's so many hidden things in there. So it's fun to, just to keep going around and seeing all, all the little things that you might have missed. It's, they, they put a lot of fun elements into that. That was the worst Mon Calamari impression ever. So. <laughs> That's who that was? <laughs> that was Pacino okay. doing... <laughs> Okie dokie. <laughs> nice. um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's really... I've sort of been watching the guests as much as I've been watching the attraction to see uh, their response. And Star Wars fans and Disney fans and just attractions fans. I mean, this really is... It's a completely new... Although they pay subtle tributes to the original Star Tours, uh, it is a completely new attraction and it's very much, I think, going to invigorate uh, Hollywood Studios. Lou, I I can't tell you how many times I've looked at these things over and over again and when I go into this this attraction, whether it's the queue or the the initial storyline or the film itself is filled with so much countless details that I know I have no idea what I am missing at this point. So much, yeah. Oh yeah, there's so much detail, and I'm I'm waiting for like Star Tours Live to turn into Star Tours. This is what I've seen, <laughs> or, or something of that nature, because there are so many little Easter eggs or cookies, whoever, however you want to place it. You could not see them all. I know that they're there. You just have to look for them. But if you're focused here, to your you know right in front of you, to your left, there's something going on. To the right, you'll never see it all. So it makes it a, a brand new attraction each time. And of course, there's cool new merchandise too. If you're a merchandise fan, to uh, go along with uh, the opening of Star Tours. And again, you know, we don't, we're, we're kind of uh, towing a line because we don't want to give away too much about the attraction itself because it did just open yesterday and I want people to be able to experience it uh, for themselves. But I've heard nothing but positive response from people um, from the attraction from beginning to end. So I think the, the guys, you know, um, Jason Grant and, and Jason Sorrell and all the, the team that worked on this. Um, really took the time because this process according to them began a number of years ago sort of deciding to reimagine the attraction I would I totally agree they they took the time and made it makes you comfortable with acknowledging problems with the original incantation we look at it now and you say okay that that had this problem that had this problem they've solved that they've solved it it's got this replayability it's got this wonderful mechanism and the storyline is smooth and clear and a lot of fun. So do you think that this is possibly or arguably the best reimagining of an attraction in Walt Disney World's history? I would say definitely the most mature. It's the, 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 uh, the broadest without, without gutting it and putting in you know, the swan boats and then making it the, <laughs> the Tron overlay swan boats. <laughs> that I'm, I'm holding my breath for. They've actually taken the time to really take what they had and expand on it exponentially. Yeah, because it's not an overlay. It's not sort of a, a new layer on top of... It's gutting everything down to... It's like taking a house and gutting it down to the framework and then rebuilding from there. 
But it's not so different that you don't feel like it's familiar. It has a, a nice sense of the story in it, weaved all the way through. And like uh, to Glenn's point earlier, it has something for everybody, whether you're a fan of one, two, or three. I don't know why you would. But, or four, four, five. It's, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right, Ian McGregor. But that's a whole nother story. So four, five, or six, you know, there's something there for everybody to enjoy. Yeah, and again, the anticipation. Really bad feeling about this. <laughs> that was Lando Calrissian doing. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the added excitement for this. Obviously, they timed it to coincide with the grand opening of Star Wars Weekends. We're recording this on the first Saturday of it. Uh, people were lined up as early as 4 a.m. on Thursday morning, not not to ride Star Tours, but because they wanted to get. Anthony Daniels' autograph, or Ashley Eckstein's autograph, or the merchandise that's coming around. So I wanted to talk briefly about Star Wars Weekends. We've uh, talked in the past, actually Glenn and I have talked in the past about how to approach Star Wars Weekends and how to uh, best attack the parks, whether you are a Star Wars fan or maybe somebody who doesn't want to be part of it. And we talked again about how it very much is confined to certain areas of the parks. That's changed a little bit this year, uh, and we'll talk about it because uh, they changed one of the very important locations, maybe to help with some of that crowd flow. But for those that are unfamiliar, Star Wars Weekends takes place uh, over four consecutive weekends. This year begins May 21st. It ends somewhere around June 21st, uh, 2011. And it is a, uh, it's an event that is not a hard-ticketed event like a Halloween party or a Christmas party, but it's something that is uh, included with your admission to Disney's Hollywood Studios. And again here, there's something for everyone, especially if you are Star Wars fans. There are events that take place on stage. There's the Jedi Training Academy, which is here all the time, but uh, has a different energy to it over Star Wars weekends. One of the big things for people, though, are the celebrities. The celebrity hosts this year are, once again, James Arnold Taylor and Ashley Eckstein. James Arnold Taylor is the voice of Obi-Wan Kenobi and Plo Koon. Plo Koon in Star Wars The Clone Wars. Ashley Eckstein is Ahsoka Tano in The Clone Wars. She also hosted The Clone Wars Behind the Force. We uh, interviewed her uh, for the show last year. We did a great video with her. She also found heruniverse.com, which has uh, Star Wars cool, geeky clothing for the ladies. So you got to check out heruniverse.com. And what? Come on. We love Ashley Eckstein. Yes, we do. And the, uh, the way they've broken up the parks again is sort of the Alliance side and the Rebel side. And the Alliance side of the park, and not really clearly defined, has some of those Padawan mind challenges and Jedi Training Academy while the Imperial Sector includes the Premier Theater and a lot of the shows that take place there, like Behind the Force, uh, Inside the Saga, we just saw, starred Anthony Daniels, where he takes us sort of on a journey, a personal journey from him, sort of as the character of C-3PO. And Glenn, this is something that you uh, is new this year and you were very much looking forward to. Yeah, it, was, it definitely was a different approach. They, we've, they've had these wonderful shows in there, these wonderful presentations. But this one was a very emotional journey, which is something we haven't seen. We've seen many technical things where they focus on the creation of how they do this, looking behind the scenes of the creation of this. This time we got to see somebody who did not mind standing up there and exposing his emotional journey that he had to take in creating taking on this role and the changes that have come to it from it's very interesting i think i have a little bit of a man crush on anthony daniels <laughs> oh dear you wanted dear, to dear. you wanted to sit by yourself and just experience it on your own um right. especially with him because he's he was in all six of the films plus the both iterations of star tours so he was able to take us on a personal journey of how he was involved in all of that in which is, he was also in the burger king commercial <laughs> and and underoos if all right, that was a surprising piece right there to see the star wars underoos and i heard the entire crowd around us going i had those or i had those one thing i really did enjoy from it though is getting <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't want to know that. Um, one of the interesting things is that they did give a little, couple of little tidbits about some um, reels, some, uh, some movie reels that didn't make it to, some clips that didn't make it to the movie, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, so for me, being able to see the first footage of him in the costume and hear about the audition process, uh, and again, some of those personal sort of, uh, some of the unscripted stories that he was able to tell and share with us, but... I think it, it was it had a very broad reach. And look, Anthony Daniels uh, is probably one of the biggest names to come to Star Wars Weekends in a long time. In a long time. And he did tell some great stories. It, even when he is not in that gold suit, when he is voicing 
3PO, you'll notice he, he takes on the posture of 3PO. So this is somebody who's really put himself into that role. So he really feels like he needs to put his arms out. Oh, dear. And he, and he wobbles. I don't know why I sound like Catherine Hepburn there for a moment. <laughs> the loons are shooting laser beams at us all the way. So. <laughs> well, and it was great to see the audience response to him as he was walking around during uh, the media event and, and some of the things. During the, I mean, people saw him and women were swooning over the man who was outside the gold mask. <laughs> Becky's batting her eyelash. Becky's still swooning. She's still swooning. That's over R2-D2, actually. Yeah, so in addition to that, there was also Dave Filoni was back again. Uh, he was a supervising director of uh, Star Wars, The Clone Wars. Daniel Logan was um, the young Boba Fett. And uh, those, those characters, those celebrities, change from week to week. Yeah, I believe we have... We have... We have... Uh, Peter Mayhew, Chewbacca is going to be here coming soon. Uh, I, I'm trying to call, call them, recall them from from memory right now. Uh, Bruce Spence uh, is going to be here. Several of them are in and out, and that also means that the shows will change. Ray Park is coming in the second, the last two weeks, and he does the phenomenal show called. Uh, um, he plays. He portrayed. Darth Maul in episode one, The Phantom Menace, and he does a piece called the uh, A Trip to the Maul, M-A-U-L, and he t- it's very similar to the, the Jedi Training Academy. They take 50 kids, and they bring them upstage, and they teach them how to be Sith. And he's standing there, and these like 25, 50 kids, whatever it is, are up there being evil, being taught by the guy who did all those fantastic gymnastics. Yeah, and there's a thousand guys in the audience going, dude, I so want to be that kid. And they don't realize probably how cool it is to being taught martial arts and how to wield a lightsaber by the guy who got himself cut in half. But that's beside the point. Um, We also just came out of Obi-Wan and Beyond. This starred James Arnold Taylor and A Galaxy of Voices. Again, James Arnold Taylor, in addition to being a celebrity host, is the voice of Obi-Wan Kenobi and Plo Koon. Plo, Plo Koon, say that five times fast, but a host of other voices. And I'm not going to tell you, I really enjoyed this. That montage of voices that he rattled off over five minutes uh, was one of the best, like, one-man show things I've ever seen done. Right. He, he basically does hundreds of voices, everybody from Johnny Carson to Fred Flintstone to, you know, you name it, he's, he's done it. And he basically just rattled off, you know, uh, literally hundreds of these, kind of going, melding from one to the other. It was, it was pretty amazing. And sort of how one voice sort of leads into the other. But I kind of like that sort of peek behind the curtain at how those voiceovers are done, how these voice actors are really actors. I mean, they need to sort of convey so much simply with their voice. Yeah, and he, he actually took his initial voice... And said, if I lower it a little bit, it becomes Johnny Carson. And he know, and he told, took us on a journey as he dropped around from him, at one impersonation to another. And he did not stick on one impersonation for more than three seconds. And he went all the way on for about five minutes, just hopping from one to another. Yeah, and he had that crowd very excited at the end of that. Very much so. And I also like the way that they had set the stage for that because he really did show us how he pulls that together by setting the stage, showing that you're in a booth all by yourself with your microphone and you have to act that character, which is difficult in itself if you're not acting off of somebody. So he did a really really great job kind of illustrating us what a, a day in the life is of a voice actor. Yeah, and that's, again, just one of the many shows. There's also a uh, Stars of the Saga celebrity talk show with him, Anthony Daniels, and Dan- Daniel Logan, which is nice because, Glenn, like you talked about before, it's, they're not talking at the audience. Uh, it becomes very interactive where the audience gets to do some Q&A with the stars of these, uh, of these shows. Yeah, there are young people now that have their fans of people that are on, that, that we're, we're not aware of these, these, this fandom for this younger generation. Because I met a couple that said, oh, my favorite is Jar Jar Binks. And I was like, oh, wow. You know, you get a little bit like, really? You know, because I, I don't personally have that. But maybe if I were a nine-year-old, maybe I would be saying, yeah, Jar Jar Binks was awesome. And so there's all types. And I think for Star Wars Weekend, there are different reasons, different things that people look forward to. Some For some people, they're here because of Star Tours. For others, they're here because of 
autographs, there's celebrity autograph locations which get very, very long lines throughout the day, so much so that you have to get, or you should get, a fast pass very early in the morning. Uh, there are sort of random character encounters throughout the parks. There's a lot of stations set up where you can take pictures with uh, Leia, uh, Princess Leia Mini, Boba Fett, Jango Fett, uh, some of the Clone War characters throughout the park, which are great. But there's a lot of, of character encounters that are just randomly walking around. You never know who you might run into. Some of these characters are Star Wars characters, and they're here from Disney. And there's also a lot of characters that are guests that come to the park, because this is one of those things, like Halloween, where you can and are almost encouraged to come dressed up as your favorite character or make it up your own Jedi or Sith. Yeah, there's a lot of people making that. that for, there's some people that took a pillowcase and made it their Jedi because they're wearing a pillowcase as a shirt. But then there's the, the wonderful uh, ex- costumes that, that are put together by Disney and they all have their own set. They have like these backgrounds that are put in very professional looking locations so that when you get your picture home and you're looking at it on your, on your computer, you're looking at you in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, the, the thing that impresses me most, though, are the guests that take so much time to create either incredibly detailed and authentic-looking costumes. We've, we've met Queen Amidala, we've met uh, Jedi, we've met Anakin, we saw Slave, uh, Slave Leia today, um, <laughs> NSFW, not Slave <laughs> Yeah, sorry, I got flustered there. But And guys that built their own lightsabers or built their own stormtrooper costumes. And big kudos to these people because they put a lot of time and, and effort and energy into pulling them together. Very authentic and very detailed. But for those of you who don't realize, it is hot here today. It is a hot, humid day. And they are committed. They are very committed to the hoods and the robes and everything they've got put together. So. Yeah, I made a huge mistake uh, dressing as a Wookiee today. I, <laughs> I, I forgot to think about the weather, so it's been really hot. Breathable materials. That's what you're looking for. But And, and speaking of huge kudos too. One of the other um, aspects of the day are the is, this, is the motorcade, the celebrity motorcade which is followed by a processional of the 501st and these are uh, people who get together sort of as a group, they create their own costumes to, to dis- really Lucas specifications for s- stormtroopers and sand troopers and emperor's guards and Jedi and they, they come out here, they volunteer their own time to be part of the show, the pre-show that takes place sort of above the Hollywood time before you get in in the morning, and that parade that, takes, uh, that goes through. They bring in little kids to be part of that Jedi cavalcade as well. If you get the opportunity to speak with any of them, many of them that are behind a mask, you can't really speak to them because you can't understand them, but many of them that do have a face exposed, that you can actually talk to them these people not only have, have taken the time to create this costume, to paint it to look like it's weathered or brand new or a specialty guard, they create a storyline for themselves. And they'll tell you where they were and, and on what planets they visited. They, they'll, they'll, they put a lot of thought into this well beyond just putting on a piece of plastic. They are in character as much as the characters are. Uh, but a couple other things quickly I want to touch on. For a lot of people, one of the big draws for them is not necessarily the attractions or the autographs, but the merchandise. And this year they've moved uh, the merchandise location from one of the sound stages to a place they called Jabba's Hut, which is an event merchandise location, which is in the courtyard, which is normally backstage, located in between uh, the rock and roller coaster entrance and Tower of Terror. And I almost hate to call it a temporary tent because this tent is huge it's like half of a football field size and there is merchandise about the opening of star tours uh there's star wars action figures there's star tours action figures of course uh collectibles like logo pins limited edition watches books there's a lot of book signings and celebrity signings for some of the artists going on here and it's great because there's a ton of readily available merchandise, or if you are a collector, uh, very, very limited edition merchandise as well. And if you're not a collector, while you're in line, uh, if you're looking at the collectible stuff, and somebody's with you that is not interested in that, you can actually have some photographs taken with they have some sets in there. You have Luke Skywalker or C-3PO standing in front of a mock-up of a, of a, sand, of a, a speeder, 
and the, the, and there's also some regular non-collectible merchandise that you can look at as well. Yeah, so whether you collect art or pins or uh, toys, uh, collectibles <laughs> like I do, uh, there was a ton to choose from, and um, and it sort of again it sort of runs that gamut uh, as to what is available. And the thing too is you don't have to necessarily go because sometimes the lines can, can be long for the merchandise. I recommend going at the end of the day to avoid some of those lines. But there is also merchandise scattered throughout the parks, not just the Tatooine Traders. We saw some Star Tours merchandise on Streets of America. But at the coolest thing that I saw this year, and I bought some for myself and my kids, are some of the themed, I don't even know what you call them. <laughs> They're themed souvenirs, which are, which, are, uh, which are food purchases as well. So you can go into Backlot Express or the commissary, and you can get an R2-D2 flip-top mug that has either chocolate mousse or a strawberry shortcake in it. They also have R2-D2 popcorn buckets, which I've never seen before, and we're seeing these all around the parks and the four of them that are on our table right now. I am not an impulse buyer, but when I saw, the first one I saw was the popcorn ones, and of course I had to go right for that, and I, I bought a couple, and then after buying the popcorn ones, then I found out about the flip-top mug, so I'm bringing four of these home, and I, I really don't know why, but I just had to have it. Oh, no, I knew I had to have it. Um, I mean, the popcorn bucket was cool, but the little R2-D2 mug is going to be a fixture. New uh, coffee. New, new coffee, coffee mug right here. Right, and uh, they also have a lot of uh, neat little action figures that are actually uh, themed to the new Star Tours attractions. They have a lot of the characters from the pre-show and also from certain scenes in there, and even one that has a lineup of six different uh, star speeders from, from there, so that's pretty cool, too. And the nice thing, too, is they made the merchandise accessible on different levels. So if it's Star Tours vinylmations or Star Tours pins that you want to get, or up to the much more expensive sort of limited edition stuff, you could do that as well. Uh, and if you do want to get something exclusive and you're a pass holder or you're a DVC member, they also have things that are only available for DVC members and pass holders. I'm leaving. i got to go buy stuff. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> so uh, there's one other thing I want to mention before talking about the final thing, which is kind of what we're up against time-wise here, which was the grand opening itself. Uh, they very, they really made a huge deal about the grand opening of Star Tours, uh, not just for the media, but for the guests as well. And every year when Star Wars Weekend comes out, the rumor mill starts hitting the circuit that George Lucas is going to come, and of course, he never does. Well, this year, there is a huge production up on stage there's a, a cavalcade, there's a parade. All the characters come on. Uh, they do an incredible video show. Glenn, you were, you were yeah. talking about how impressed you were at the video they created for this one-off event. Yeah, exactly. For, for one-time event, they showed uh, footage of the Star Tours ride that we know, and they were saying that they've opened this brand-new ship line, Star Tours, the new ship line that's going to be located on planet Earth. And on this video, you actually watch a, a, a Y-Wing fighter come down and land right in front of us, and it's like, wow, that's really cool. But then the um, Sith come over and take over. You see troopers come out and take over and defend the whole thing, and they put a force field around the whole thing. So... Yeah, and they, again, like you said, they created it just for that, for those people that were there that day. But you're right, it set, it very much sets the storyline that many people, I think, don't necessarily appreciate when they go into an attraction. Scott, you made a good point. You get that sense when you go on Star Tours. But the big payoff that, again, you know, you hear the rumors, but when the very well-themed stage doors open and George Lucas and Bob Iger come out, wielding lightsabers to confront Darth Vader. Literally, the crowd goes wild. Prepare to meet your maker. Did Bob Iger, did Bob Iger say that? Bob Iger said that to Darth Vader. Prepare to meet your maker. That was good. That was a good line. That was incredible. But my other favorite line was, uh, I'll see you in the air. Set chorus for the Anaheim system. That was my favorite. That, that put me in stitches, and it was hard to keep the camera still. Yeah, because if you are a West Coast Disneyland fan, uh, Star Tours is obviously being re- reimagined out there as well. R2, R2-D2 helped save the day because he dis- destroyed the the uh, force field by shooting a firework from the stage, from the hat stage. It went over to, you know, that's a, quite a distance. It went far away, and then there was a humongous explosion where Star Tours is located. It was incredible. Yeah. Really, really well done. Um, you know, again, sort of the likes that I haven't seen really in a long time. 
<laughs> long time. But so the reason why we're trying to wrap up relatively quickly is because talking about the payoff at the end of the day, uh, one of the most exciting and fun parts of Star Wars weekends is the hyperspace hoopla, which normally takes place on the Jedi stage right next to Star Tours. It's now been moved to the stage in front of the hat, giving you a sense of just how big and how many people try and cram into that for a very fun, sort of campy, ever-changing every year sort of dance party with a lot of different Star Wars characters. It is a blast, and I'm actually packing up my stuff right now to get ready to go over one. <laughs> right, and they always incorporate a lot of the latest songs from the past year to, uh, to do that. And so, yeah, they do change it every year. New characters, new dances. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it's one of those things that I think a lot of people really look forward to and definitely need to stay till the end of the night for. I'm hoping so because I have never seen it, so I'm very much looking forward to this. I know, I know. Stop shaking your head. Stop rolling your eyes. I'm have going ever, there now. Have you ever even been to the studios? <laughs> anyway, listen, we are going to wrap it up. We are going to make our way over to the hyperspace hoopla because it is something you have to see. But again, Star Wars weekends, there is something for everyone, whether you are a Star Wars fan or not. Uh, if you're not a Star Wars fan, don't worry about trying to avoid the studios because it's not intrusive in other areas, really outside of Star Wars, although you may see a random character or a guest wielding a lightsaber walking around. Uh, but if you are a Star Wars fan, again, that marriage of Disney and Star Wars has always just made sense. It's really been been plussed up to a level that, for me personally, definitely exceeded my expectations. It's true. But you still have to wait an hour and a half to get on Toy Story. So, <laughs> so Glenn Whalen, Scott Otis, Becky Mankin, uh, thank you guys for joining us. We need to get in front of the hat stage for a little uh, hyperspace hoopla, and if you have not been to Disney's Hollywood Studios in a long time, uh, you have got to come and check out Star Wars Weekends and uh, the new, reimagined, all-new Star Tours. Impressive. You're all clear, kid. Now let's blow this thing and go home. With the grand reopening of Star Tours, the adventures continue at Disney's Hollywood Studios on May 20th, 2011. Part of the kickoff celebration for Star Wars Weekend's 2011, Star Wars and Disney fans from around the world and from many generations are getting to an experience, not a, uh, a freshened up old attraction, but really a brand new attraction. And one of the brilliant and creative minds and talents that helped put that together is Kathy Rogers from Walt Disney Imagineering. Kathy, welcome to the show. Thank you so very much. I'm so glad that you're enjoying it exactly how we intended to create it for you to enjoy. If you could have seen my face last night, Kathy, when I was getting on the ride and just the energy of all the people, Disney had a uh, sort of a very late night meetup or tweet up, and the energy was palpable. And this morning, you know, I was saying, Star Wars weekends, there's always such an energy in the air from the Star Wars fans that are looking forward to meeting their favorite celebrities. But now at the grand reopening of Star Wars, and it, it, you could feel it in the air, and then, of course, being kicked off with Bob Iger and George Lucas, um, I, the, the seven-year-old in me is, is a very happy little boy. Oh, I'm so glad. It's, it was such an experience to bring the adventures continue. So it just is so immersive in the Star Wars experience and, and such a Disney, you know, only as Disney can deliver it. It's been so much fun and it's so rewarding to see how, how our fans and our guests are really getting immersed in that experience. And this sort of new show, to a certain degree, was a couple of decades in the making because I remember the idea was when Star Wars opened, well, it's easy. We'll just reprogram. We'll, we'll plug a new film in. It, you know, it's taken a, a couple of decades of work. When you approach the idea of, okay, it's time finally to utilize the technology we have here, you not only have to appeal to the Disney fans who are looking for a new ride experience, but when Star Tours originally opened, it was, I'll call it my, <clears throat> the older generation, my generation, Kathy, when you get to be my age, you'll see, the older generation of, of Star Wars fans that grew up with episode four, five, and six. You have a completely new generation that grew up with one, two, three, and to a certain degree, another generation with the Clone Wars. How do you sort of take all that into consideration when first starting to think about how you're going to reimagine here the ride? Well, you know, it, that we had the opportunity to have the entire Star Wars universe 
at, with us. And so what we wanted to do is, is to take that entire breadth of the incredible Star Wars characters and the incredible environments and bring the best of those to our guests. So we really um, moved our story in between the two trilogies so that we can sort of bridge um, those and then bring all of the favorite characters and the very favorite iconic uh, environments to the guests so that you can experience that. You know, when I heard that it was coming out and I started thinking about it, I'm very interested sort of in the process of how this all comes to be. And certainly the marriage between Disney and George Lucas, family-friendly entertainment for, again, multi-generation. How does that process begin? Does George say, you know what, I think I'm bored. I need something to do. Or does Imagineering say, hey, let's come up with some concepts and see who we're going to put in front of, of really, you know, the emperor himself, George Lucas. Well, interestingly, uh, um, in 1997, we, we started when actually we, we got a call from George Lucas is saying that, hey, we got a little segment that we think is appropriate for the star, uh, star Speeder, and that was the pod race. And so we got very excited, and we started doing uh, story development, and then we said, oh, wait a minute. George is working on episode two. What is going to be in that? And so we started to say, well, let's, why don't we wait until George completes his entire saga and we can say, what, what can we use for that? Because we've always wanted to make these incredible multiple experiences. And as we waited for George to complete his, his uh, Star Wars universe, uh, technology also sort of moved forward. And so we now had an opportunity not only to bring an experience in 3D, but at a, a branching media. So we now opened the entire universe to an ex multi-experience for our guests so they never know where their journey is going to take them. And so it, it, that was really fun. But that, that was a process that took over almost 10 years. Yeah, and we talk about attractions having a, a sort of a, a rewritability factor to it. Certainly when you have 54 different possibilities and combinations of characters and destinations and locations in between, uh, that factor goes through the roof, probably different than any other attraction here in the parks. And you mentioned the technology, and that's really one of the things that struck me initially was we have other 3D attractions, we have other motion simulator attractions, but visually stunning. Uh, even the glasses are different, the audio is different. Um, the film itself is, is just visually beautiful. You know, that's this is an incredible sort of coming of the entire universe together where technology allows us to make an incredible immersive experience that you sort of forget that you're in a you know, an, a, an attraction that you now are really truly on the Star Speeder 1000 and you're on a journey that you really don't know where you're going. And that is, you know, as a show producer for Walt Disney Imagineering, to create an immersive env environment that our guests really are just get lost into, it's so much fun. It is, and what an incredible product with Star Wars, you know, storytelling and the Disney ability to make that magic come true is, is really been fun. And so when you say that you're a show producer, I sort of imagine you as a choreographer or a conductor trying to bring all these different elements together to create harmonious music. And tell us a little bit about your role in sort of helping to create the Star Tours experience. You know, my role as a show producer really is to bring all this incredible talent together, make sure that we keep the vision, you know, up front, and, and everybody, um, you know, at Imagineering, we have so many different diverse talents that really come together. We had over a thousand Im Imagineers working on this product, from the storytellers to the uh, imaging uh, team that brings that uh, 3D image to our guests, to the ride programmers, to the lighting designers, to our color specialists. Specialists, um, all of those people all come together to bring this immersive experience together. And that's my role, is to make sure we all come together and that we're all just really strengthening the vision as it, as it gets developed and, and brought to you. And the nice thing, too, from an old-time Star Wars fan and a long-time Disney fan is that, <clears throat> excuse me, while looking forward, you also looked back. You made sure you kept classic characters. Certainly Anthony Daniels reprising his role as C-3PO uh, and other sort of uh, subtle homages, especially that you can see in the queue, to the original Star Tours attraction itself. Oh, you know, that was always a goal for us. I mean, the entire team was very passionate about not only um, Star Tours, but also Star Wars. And so we wanted to make sure that when our guests came into Star Tours today, it was familiar, but it was totally different. And it was a new, new experience, but it was familiar, and that you were comfortable being on the spaceport, taking your journey on the Star Speeder 1000 now. 
There is something very familiar and comfortable about it, but it is a completely new attraction. It is not an overlay. It's not uh, something that's been plussed. So, Kathy Rogers, my congratulations and my thanks goes out to you and your entire team for something that is truly, truly spectacular. Thank you very much. And we do hope you all come out and really enjoy Star Tours. The adventures continue. I hope you find it a fun, fun journey as you come. And may the force be with you. And also with you. Finally, somebody gets the line that I'm looking for in return. Kathy, thanks so much. Attention, please. All droids leaving the system must be cleared by customs control. Proof of ownership is required for all droid passengers. Proof of ownership? We droids are made to suffer such indignities. <laughs> That's all the time we have for this week's show. Thanks so much for taking the time and tuning in this and every week. Thanks also to all my guests on the roundtable, as well as Kathy Rogers from Walt Disney Imagineering. But I want to hear from you. I want to hear your opinions on the new Star Tours, the updated attraction, Star Wars weekends, anything else at all. Please come by the website this and every week. Look under the podcast tab. There you'll find the show notes for this and every episode in the archives. You can post your comments right there. Again, keep that conversation going. While you're on the site, be sure and check out our daily Disney blog, our new Disney book club, our photo galleries, and come by, talk and meet with other Disney fans in our free, fun, very friendly discussion forums. Also, there's new videos posted on the site and in the WDW Radio iTunes feed all the time. This past week, just posted a video interview with Stephen Miller. He's the merchandise manager for, for Walt Disney World. We talk about and see a lot of the new Star Wars weekends and exclusive Star Tours merchandise as well. I also love hearing directly from you. So if you have a question you want me to answer on the show, you can email me at lou at wdwradio.com or call in the voicemail. Be heard on the air toll free 888-703-2171. Don't forget, in addition to the weekly show, come by live every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern at www.newscast.com. There we have a live video interactive discussion about Walt Disney World news for the week. You can come by, be part of the conversation real time in the chat room. But if you missed a live show, that's okay. I will post it on the blog on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Radio, and also in the iTunes feed as well. And in addition to the show, there's lots of different ways to get a little bit of Disney magic at home or in the car or when you go to the parks. You can visit the WDW Radio store, purchase signed copies of my Walt Disney World trivia books, my audio guides to Walt Disney World on CD or instantly downloadable files. You can also get links over to iTunes where you can download the free WDW Radio iPhone app and the brand new Walt Disney World trivia app that has more than 750 questions, descriptive answers, hundreds of additional did-you-know facts and figures. You can play it at home, in the car, or right in the parks. Go to iTunes, you can search for WDW Trivia, or check this week's show notes for the link. And if you download the app, please come by. If you like it, rate and review the app in iTunes as well. Be sure and visit DisneyMeets.com for upcoming Meets of the Month in Walt Disney World, including next month in Japan for Japan. We're going to meet Saturday, June 11th in Japan and World Showcase. We're going to be doing some fundraising before and after the event for uh, Japan Quake Relief. Again, you can find uh, more information about that event, the Pacific Northwest Mouse Meet later on that month in Seattle. Lots more. And get ready for the D23 Expo this summer, whether you're there in person or watching live from home. We're going to have live coverage of all the events. Lots more. You can visit DisneyMeets.com. And for the Expo coverage, visit www.radio.com slash D23 Expo. Quickly want to thank my partners and sponsors, including Mouse Fan Travel. You know by now they are my official and recommended travel provider for all your vacation planning needs. Look, whether you're going to Disney World, Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line, Adventures by Disney, anything Disney, Becky and her team of agents not only give you the best possible prices and discounts, but an amazing level of personal service that is their hallmark. If you're going down to Disney World, lots of options, including staying within a, a private home or a condo with your own pool, spa, kitchen, game room, multiple master bedrooms, great theming and amenities, and lots more. Be sure and check out allstarvacationhomes.com. And when you're in Walt Disney World, a new place you should check out to go eat if you've never been there before, Bongo's Cuban Cafe in downtown Disney. Great food at the indoor and outdoor seating areas, three bars, an express window, a lot of high-energy music going on Friday and Saturday nights as well. 
You can visit them in downtown Disney or check them out online at bongoscubancafe.com. And one of my favorite places to stay right in the heart of Walt Disney World is the Walt Disney World Swan and Dolphin. I love the restaurants, including Blue Zoo. I just ate at Shula's again the other night. Dare I say the best steak on property. There's also the Mandara Spa. Incredible guest rooms with the heavenly beds. Lots of great amenities there as well. Check them out online over at swananddolphin.com. Most importantly, my friends, I want to say thank you to you again for taking the time and tuning in. As always, if you like the show, all I ask is that you please help spread the word. Let others know about it, whether on Twitter, on Facebook, other discussion forums, wherever you have other friends in or out of the Disney community. And please come by, review the show over on iTunes as well. And with Monday, May 29th being Memorial Day here in the United States, I also want to take a second and give my thanks as well to all the servicemen and women who have made sacrifices and the ultimate sacrifice, including their families, for our freedoms. I and my family thank you all so very much and so sincerely, and we remember you today and every day. And if you like, you don't need a holiday to go over and shake someone's hand and thank them for their service to our country. So until next week, my friends, I hope that you are inspired and get motivated and take those first steps towards pursuing your passion and doing what you love each and every day. And once you do, I hope that you always keep moving forward no matter what. So until next time, thank you again for listening. Have a great week, everybody. And just go out and be kind to one another. Thanks again. See ya. Hey Lou, this is Tina from Ottawa. I know it's been a while. I've called. I have. I've been. I've been busy working on catching my dreams, and uh, I was. I just tweeted this out to you um, because. Uh, but I think it deserves more. I've been sitting here. I just uh, catching up, and uh, today was Oprah Winfrey's last show. But before I watched that, I watched the American Idol finale. I don't know who won yet because that's tonight. But I had to catch up before then, and. Uh, I, I'm not even sure who I want to win because they're both absolutely amazing and I wish they could both win. I know that's copping out, but that's how I feel. <laughs> and then I, I was crying through that and then now I'm watching Oprah and uh, she said something and it really hit a nerve and it made me think of you too. And that's why I had to tweet you. She said, start embracing the life that is calling you and use your life to serve the world. And what I felt is that I am so thankful that you know what your calling was and you are sharing it with us all. And you set such a great example. And like Oprah, you inspire me. And I thank you for all the tweets. And I am, I am, I'm there. I have a knowing. I have a calling. And I have a dream. And I know it's getting closer every day. And I, I'm telling you, those tweets you send out, I can't thank you enough for them because... They make me look at them, they make me read them, and they make me go, I know, Lou, I know. <laughs> but uh, I can't thank you enough, and I just wanted to let you know that uh, thank you for being who you are. Thank you for being Lou Mongello. Thank you for doing WGD Radio. Thank you for the cruise. Thank you for all that you do, all that you bring to the table, the person that you are, being genuine unique being a person like Oprah that can relate to all of us listeners that love you so much because you it just carries through those podcasts. It carries through those videos you do. It comes out of Celebration Magazine. Your passion, your dreams, your your love for Disney World and and your kind spirit and your caring soul. So thank you, Lou. You have a great day. And whoever wins American Idol or wherever Winfrey goes from here, everybody should remember that all your dreams can come true if you have the courage to pursue them. So grab that courage by its tail and throw it around and keep it in there and throw the, make it chase all that fear away and go out and get what you know is yours. Have a great day, everyone. See ya. Hi, Lou. This is Joel from Maryland. I uh, just wanted to tell you it was great being able to meet up with you uh, one late night uh, on uh, Main Street uh, as you were leaving to be able to say hi. And also I wanted to congratulate both you and your team on an oh-so-close second-place finish to the uh, scavenger hunt uh, the other weekend uh, with Destination D. Um, uh, great job. 
So keep up a good job with the podcast. Uh, we're listening to everyone. Uh, talk to you later. Bye. Hi, Lou. It's Catherine. Um, I'm calling from Ohio, actually, but I'm on my way down to Disney to start my program with the Disney College program, which I'm really excited about. Um, I recently graduated from Syracuse University in engineering, and I've always had a dream of working for Disney, and this is my first step, and it's a very early 5.15 East Coast time, but I am more than excited and on my way. So I just wanted to call in and check in. Love the show. Um, first time doing much of anything, but I would call and share my excitement. Okay, see you around. Bye. You've got a Do or do not. There is no try.